Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information, or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. So today's gospel is a little scary. You know, as a preacher, it's just never a good sign whenever you sit down and you read the gospel you plan to preach on, and it reminds you of a scene from Stephen King's Children of the Corn. Um, Because in reading today's gospel, it'd be very easy to think that the arrival of Jesus is similar to the arrival of Santa Claus, only a lot more sadistic. I mean, is that what John the Baptist is saying, that you better watch out, you better not cry, better not pout, I'm telling you why? Jesus Christ is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Jesus Christ is coming to town. And then the special verse I wrote for this very occasion. (laughs) He sees you when you're sinning. So I think it's time you learned. The wheat he will be gathering in, but the bad trees he will burn. That's going to be our offertory hymn for the Christmas Eve service. (laughs) So here's the first thing I want us to understand about today's gospel. The point is not to scare us into a changed life, right? Because how does Luke sum up John's speech? So with many other exhortations, John proclaimed the good news to the people, Jesus' arrival is good news, as is every single word that John speaks in today's gospel. And so take heart, today's gospel is not a picture of the last judgment where the sheep and the goats are divided. I would encourage you to hear it as a spiritual formation text written to Christians, people just like you and me, who await the coming of Christ And what today's gospel offers is a very clear picture of what Jesus will do in our life when he arrives. The axe, John says, is lying at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, what does this mean? Well, you and I do well to remember that John the Baptist was deeply rooted in the Old Testament and that he referenced it frequently in his preaching. And I say that because the imagery John offers today of a tree is a very clear allusion to the very first psalm. And so whenever you get home today, get out your Bible and I'd encourage you to read Psalm 1 where the righteous person is compared to a tree, a tree that is planted by streams of water so that it can yield fruit in its season. In fact, the whole point of the very first psalm is to compare each person to a tree 
so as to ask the larger question, where is it exactly that our lives have been planted and what do the roots of our soul rely on to find nourishment? Because when it comes to life, there's a really big difference between being a tree planted by a riverbank and one that depends on the outside rain to find nourishment. There is a difference between living a life where our roots as a human being descend deep into God and a person who depends on outside factors to make us feel like a worthwhile human being. And the reason I say that is because I think that our biggest problem as human beings is not that we are bad people or that we are sinners with some deep incurable flaw. Our problem, at least in the tradition of Psalm 1, is that we are trees planted somewhere east of Eden and therefore trees that bear the wrong kind of fruit. Right, Because even though God repeatedly tells us that we are the object of God's love, God's very own beloved, we still live our life frantically searching for someone else to validate us. Like a tree that depends on the fickleness of the outside rain in order to stay alive, we too rely so often on these very fickle outside factors for our sense of identity and significance and worth. And what I hear John the Baptist saying is that when Jesus arrives, he will find those places in our life where we are seeking nourishment outside of God's love and with both love and precision... Pull them up by the roots. Meaning that the part of us that seeks nourishment and maybe having a lot of money, that will be uprooted when Jesus comes. The part of us that seeks nourishment and being liked or respected or in achieving a lot, that will be uprooted when Jesus comes. The part of us that seeks nourishment and being right and having all the correct answers, and being the knower. That also will be uprooted when Jesus comes. And God will do this wonderful work in our life because the Holy Spirit's work is to purify and to refine and to do that relentlessly and without ceasing until each one of us bears the image of God without distortion. In other words, we all know that God's work in the human heart is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But what today's gospel reminds us of is that it can also be a painful thing. So let me give you a really practical example of what this spiritual uprooting work has looked like in my own life. And I'm going to go several years back. I'm not going to offer an example that's too fresh. But back in Houston a couple years ago, there was a young man by the name of Gerardo. And I used to visit him in prison every single week. And so for about 12 months, our relationship was lived out in the safety of a very small room where 
Visiting hours were set, and a guard would come and kick me out at 7 p.m. sharp, and I could go home to my family. But then Gerardo was released from jail, and I decided to work with his probation officer, and I made a commitment to staying in relationship with him. And so the two of us, we started meeting every Monday at 4 p.m. at a McDonald's very near where he lived. And for the first month or two, this arrangement worked out just fine. But eventually, Gerardo started showing up a little late, and eventually he stopped coming to our meetings at all. He just disappeared. And to be honest, I was really mad, and I was hurt, and I was disappointed. I had invested a lot of time in this relationship with him, and from my perspective, it didn't feel like he appreciated what I was doing or that he even cared. Um, eventually, Gerardo did go back to jail, but this time he was in a different prison where I would not be able to visit. And as I processed all this, in my disappointment, I began to pray. And I told God that I was really mad, um, that from my perspective, I had done everything I could to help this young man, that you know, he should have responded to my encouragement and advice that this outcome should have looked a little bit different than it turned out. And as I prayed and I dumped all this disappointment and anger onto God, I began to listen deeply to what God might say to me in return. And it's very interesting. I did not hear God say a single word about how Gerardo needed to change or to evolve as a human being. But let me tell you what I did hear God say. I heard God say that what I offered Gerardo was not myself, but a slot on my calendar. And that because I was too scared to have him into my home and not really open to getting to know him more on his terms, that going back to life in a gang was the only option he felt he had at the time to be connected and safe. I then saw in my heart a whole lot of fear that I didn't know actually existed. I saw mixed motives for helping Gerardo in the first place, and to be honest, I encountered a lot of self-righteousness. And I want to be really clear, this voice that I heard, it wasn't a judging voice, it wasn't a shaming voice. The voice wasn't even disappointed in me. It was a deeply loving voice. It was a voice whose sole concern was to help me see the chaff in my heart that the Holy Spirit still needed to burn, the weeds in my life that needed to be uprooted. So here's a thought I want to leave you with as Christmas approaches. In the coming days and weeks, whenever you experience pain, when a relationship breaks down or when a comment breaks your spirit, if someone says something insensitive, when your impatience frustrates you or your anger boils over and you can't contain it anymore, I want you to stop. And I want you to take a deep breath and ask God this question. Is there something that I habitually think or do or say that needs to be uprooted? Or is there any chaff in my heart 
that needs to be refined and burned away. But fair warning, do not pray this prayer unless you really want the answer. Because there is no path to spiritual maturity that does not involve pain. I know I've said this in a sermon before, but when Michelangelo was asked how he carved his magnificent David, he apparently replied, well, I just looked at that big block of marble and I chiseled away the bits that weren't David. And in the same way, Jesus longs to carve away those bits of us that aren't really us at all. Because as badly as we want to plant our lives where our souls can find nourishment in the things of this world, it really is good news that Jesus came to uproot us and to replant us in a different world altogether, which he just called the kingdom of God. And so take heart. As we said last week, he who began a good work in your life will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus. The axe is lying at the root of the tree you call your life. Even now the master artist is chiseling. And in his mind, the masterpiece, who you are, who God is fashioning you to be, in God's mind is finished. And so with that said, I did write one final verse to our song. God asks us not to worry. His wrath we will not face. It's his goodness that uproots us and replants us in his grace. Amen.